The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Let us say hello once again to the great John Anik, who will be calling the action at UFC 296, the final pay-per-view of 2023. And this is a damn good card. Two title fights, lots of storylines, a lot to talk about, John Anik. How are you, my man? Better now talking to you, buddy. That means that a pay-per-view is upon us. Oftentimes, I can gauge just how deep a fight card is with how many predictions I'm making our handicappers make on the Anakin Florian podcast. That's not a cheap plug, but these guys are being forced to pick 10 of these fights, right? Randy Brown and Muslim Salikov is the first fight of the night. Now, the earliest prelim we're picking on our show is Alonzo Manafield versus Dustin Jacoby. Hugely consequential fight in the light heavyweight division, and you can watch it on UFC Fight Pass in the middle of the afternoon. So, yeah, man, we're deep. We're excited. And, uh, of course, all roads lead us to uh, Leon Edwards and your guy, Colby Covington. Yeah. And you mentioned just how many picks you guys have to make on on your show because we become prisoners of the moment a lot when it comes to this crazy sport of ours. And there have been some some damn good pay-per-view cards that we've talked about this year. Some more for the hardcores like 295, some for everybody. Then you get John Jones and some, some star power. With this card, I certainly think there's a case to be made as it stands right now on paper. This might be the best card of the year in terms of divisional stakes, storylines, potential star making abilities, et cetera. This one feels like it just might be the best one of the year. I, I got to say, like just top to bottom depth wise, this is like the championship Celtics team that had Eddie House coming off the bench. Yeah, man, it's great. And it's been a tremendous year. And what a way to capstone it. And 
Bryce Mitchell was not on this card 10 days ago. And now all of a sudden you inject him into the equation and all due respect to the decorated striker, Giga Chikadze, who was to fight former world title challenger, Josh Emmett. Right. But Thug Nasty just injects something totally different into this UFC 296 equation. So, yes, we're deep. Uh, I'm excited. I'm hopeful that the fight card holds together. I'm pretty confident that it will. A lot of big favorites on pay-per-view, which I think is interesting because you got to think one of them might uh, go by the boards. So, uh, yeah, man. Countdown and the sprint is on to Vegas. The main event is why I'm most excited for this, John. And it's not just because of the fight. It's not the story of Colby's return, first fight in almost two years. But I feel like this welterweight championship made event between Leon and Colby. It just can't come soon enough, John, because honestly, and there have been some important fights in this division, but man, welterweight has had so little movement this year. And with this title fight, we also have the two other big 170-pound fights on this card as well. This title fight needs to happen so badly right now. I feel like everything's this division's in a vacuum. And then once the main event ends, the vacuum's just going to explode and all the dust is going to fly out and we have to figure out where to put everything. So this just needs to happen. I can't wait for it to happen. Yeah, you set it up well. Leon Edwards is a big boy, but I was a little bit surprised to hear him start talking about middleweight if he can get by Colby Covington. And hopefully I'm not putting words in his mouth, but we do need clarity. We do need movement at 170 pounds. It's fascinating to think about what a win for both sides would do here for Colby Covington. I think his case is interesting. And one of the things I might ask him in the fighter meeting, and I try to be thoughtful, especially with a guy like that. Does this fight, a win here, does that put him in the Hall of Fame? Is he already there? You know, how does his case compare to someone like Tony Ferguson, who's also on the card here? Does Colby Covington need an undisputed championship to solidify his resume? Because he spent his entire career, essentially, as a guy who was either one fight away or the perennial top contender or the interim champion. I feel like there's so much pressure on him and so much at stake for him and for Leon Edwards. If you can add a Colby Covington win after two wins over Kamar Usman. Not that his legacy isn't already cemented, but I just think this would be a huge statement in terms of the Leon Edwards era. So hopefully he doesn't have one foot out the door to 185 pounds. It's a fascinating stylistic matchup. You know, I do think it's a little bit of a mind fuck when you fight Colby Covington in terms of the cardio element. All indications are Leon Edwards is in the best shape of his life. And I think you kind of need to be that not even physically against Colby Covington, just mentally knowing that you have found that dark place repeatedly uh, in training on your Versa climber or otherwise. So that if Colby is able to get you there to rounds four and five that, uh, you know, mentally you have the toughness and the fortitude to survive. It's a fascinating fight. Great way to uh, to have it. You know, that's our final fight of the year and a great way to close it out. The followed, like you said, is just going to be so interesting because if Leon wins, yeah, he's talking about moving up to 185. Like he said that in a couple of interviews, he's going to, he said, he's going to call out the Strickland DDP winner, which is coming up in January. And I don't think the, especially with where this division is right now, I don't know how excited the UFC would be to do that right now with middleweight being as interesting as it is right now. They kind of don't need anybody else to really vie for anything at the moment. And you would think if Leon wins, Bilal Muhammad like has to be next. Plus, you got Shafkat on this card. He can make a statement as well. But if Colby wins, like literally all bets are off, John. Like anything can happen. He could call for like a Conor McGregor and probably get it. Like this gets super weird if Colby wins the belt. And if Leo wins the belt, we could probably have a meritocratic type of discussion. Where do you think the winner actually goes, if you had to guess? 
who knows the direction in which Colby Covington would go. I would hope and pray that as the undisputed champion, he would try to turn it around in three or four months and defend it and try to prove that he is the best welterweight in the world for an extended period of time, because I think he certainly can be that, even though he's not favored to beat Leon. It's interesting, right? When Islam Akasha beat Alexander Volkanovsky, a lot of people were well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but some people were suggestive that he should try to be the backup for Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. I'm sitting here thinking like, what? We need these welterweight contenders to get their due. And whether Bilal Muhammad hosts a podcast with my identical twin brother or not, he is as worthy a number one contender as we have in any division right now, whether there's a number one next to his name or not. His winning streak, his strength of schedule, the quality of his wins, those were all undeniable before he won a fight against Gilbert Dorino Burns in which the winner was guaranteed a title fight. And all indications are that UFC President Dana White is going to stand by that word. So I expect that Bilal Muhammad's next fight will be for the undisputed UFC welterweight championship. And, and those close to him, have implored him to not take the money and run to wait for that type of opportunity. Because I do think Bilal was close to fighting Kamar Usman. And, uh, you know, you don't win this many fights in a row and have an unbeaten streak like this to dick around when your title fight comes around. And hopefully uh, Bilal continues to subscribe to that line of thinking. Yeah. And, and I know I, I learned so long ago to strike the word deserves from your vocabulary, but come on, man. Like, especially after seeing what just happened to Benil Dariush over the last two fights. Like if he doesn't get a title shot in 2024, something is terribly wrong, but we will see what happens, man. If, if Leon wins, he has to get it. If Colby wins, I don't want to be the guy saying, ah, oh, poor Bala Muhammad. You know what I mean? I, I just don't want to have to say that anymore, but we shall see what happens. It's going to be super interesting. And I'm glad you're here because I want to talk about this fight, John, because lost in the headlines surrounding all these matchups is the co-main event, the flyweight title fight, Pantoja versus Royval 2. This fight is freaking ridiculous, and no one's talking about it, because. and there's no way this doesn't deliver, at worst, a fight of the night contender. But again, nobody really talking about it. This fight freaking rules, John. Please, wax poetically about this flyweight title fight. Yeah, I wish that I had thought to look up a tweet that I had sent. I might have even sent it out twice in the past when Brandon Royval has fought. But is he not the most watchable guy in the sport? You know, like he's not there to F around and find out. He's there to finish you. And maybe you can argue that that has been to his own peril at times, just in terms of durability, his body not holding up to his ferocious style. Brandon Royval is a bat out of hell, right? Like if you're trying to have friends over to watch a UFC pay-per-view for the first time. That's probably one of the guys that you feel pretty bulletproof about having them watch in terms of entertainment value. That says nothing of Alessandre Pantoja, who's making the first defense of his title. And I found myself thinking about this this morning in advance of our conversation. Alessandre Pantoja is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, longtime pupil of Pahumpa at American Top Team, right? But is he not capable of going out and doing what Armand Sauragian just did and getting a knockout that'll light, light the MMA world on fire? Unequivocally, absolutely, yes, Alessandre Pantoja is capable of that. And I think he'll have a willing foil here and somebody that is going to engage him. His last fight against Brandon Moreno, you can argue was the fight of the year. So wildly excited about the co-main event, but I just have to say on the challenger, Brandon Royval, he is truly must-see television. Pantoja, you could say the same thing, but I'm so happy that promotionally Brandon Royval is getting this opportunity because you talk about deserve as a verb, like Brandon Royval has earned this, right? But when you fight with this type of style and still vault to number one contender status, uh, my hat goes off to Brandon Royval. And 
I'm excited to see what he can do with the showcase because Alexandre Pantoja is uh, is obviously a real problem. And I believe that he is the best 25er in the world right now, Pantoja. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, year-end award type of stuff involved with this fight because you can make a compelling case that if Pantoja wins this fight, he is the fighter of the year. Royval the same. They probably, because they're not big like headline makers, maybe they won't win it overall. But those two guys are certainly in the, whoever wins this fight is absolutely in the top five, top three at work, probably top three, but man, just flyweight is so good. It's just so good. And then we get Brandon Moreno and Amir Albazi probably to fight the winner of that fight. Man, the fortune is it just never ended twenty five, John Anik. Well, and the high level fights at flyweight involving the elite fighters have just been great over the last, I don't know, 18 months or so, right? A division that was, uh, you know, on the end of the diving board about to go off, right? And here it is as watchable as any division in the sport. So, yeah, that is uh, a very exciting fight right now. Pantos is a minus one seventy five betting favorite. I think it's uh, it's properly priced, but uh, you just never know how somebody's going to respond to the championship setting. And if you were looking for anything from Pantoja just to make sure that he had all the championship medal and heart to go with every five tool MMA skill, that dude's the total package. So, uh, yeah, dude, you're getting me excited, man. Can't wait for that fight. And then we got Shafkat Rachmanov, just a wrecking ball taking on Steven Wonderboy Thompson, the NMF champs, super interesting fight. Everybody counting out Wonderboy here, John. And yes, stylistically, this could be a tough one and Shavkat could get this fight to the mat and things could get real ugly. But if we get the guy in Shavkat who went hammer and tongs with Jeff Neal at UFC 285, this fight could get a little bit interesting, John. We mentioned, you know, a lot of talk about where Shavkat could go with an impressive win over a guy like Steven Thompson. But what if the 40, soon to be 41-year-old Stephen Wonderboy Thompson goes in there and beats Shafkat Rachmanov? Would that not be so on brand for 2023? What happens huh. then? Gosh, I don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> Certainly, he can't cut the line with guys like Bilal Muhammad waiting in the wings, right? But... Gosh, man, I wouldn't put it past him, right? Certainly at that age, right? It's so much muscle memory for him that I think if anybody can realize success, you know, uh, as a man, as a 40-year-old, it is certainly Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. You know, one thing I found interesting, when you look at Shavkat Rachmanov, Patty Pimblett, Ian Gary, they're all favored, some perhaps prohibitively, but Shavkat Rachmanov is overwhelmingly so, minus 520 right now. And if you're Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, right, like what exactly has this training camp held, right? Because a lot of people throw it out there as a foregone conclusion that if the fight hits the mat, he's just a fish out of water, right? But eventually, you know, maybe the hip escape is there. Maybe the urgency is there. Maybe the 40-year-old man gets up, right? Every MMA fight and round begins on the feet. I guess I would like to see in terms of the risk management, I would like to see Wonder Boy take some chances, right? You're plus 390 in the fight, right? You know what's at stake potentially. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Thompson beats this guy to try to sit out for a year to fight for the title, right, if need be. Uh, take some chances, right? You're a huge underdog. And, uh, you know, I just don't want to see him be ultra conservative because of, uh, you know, the guy who he's standing across from. But, yeah, man, I mean, there's a lot of hype on Shavkat Rachmanov, right? There was a lot of hype on Sean Brady. And even if you thought for Sean Brady, there was a little dip against Bilal Muhammad. Certainly looked like the best welterweight in the world did Sean Brady last weekend, right? So, I'm excited to see what Rachmanov can do. You know, it's another prove it to me spot for him. He's sort of proven to be a big game player, right? He can sort of rise to the spotlight that is going to accompany him seemingly every step of the way. And uh, yeah, we'll see, see what, see what both of these parties can do, but exciting feature about for us on pay-per-view here in a few days.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Man, there's still like so much more to talk about because I don't think we've talked about this at all, but a fight that got a lot of play early, but is somewhat fizzled a little bit because of another fighter on this card that we're going to talk about. Now we got Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimblett, which might be the most contentious fight booking of the past decade for the UFC, John. Everyone had an opinion about it. There was no gray area. It was either you thought this is great or you thought this is terrible. Tony's been working his ass off. He's working with David Goggins. What a storyline that is. What's at stake for Tony Ferguson in this fight? Because one thing about this booking for a guy in a six-fight skid who has not looked all that particularly great, this is about as good as it can get for him in terms of name recognition and a matchup that kind of suits him stylistically and one that on paper doesn't look like he could take a, a ton of damage in. This probably as good as it can get for Tony Ferguson, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for that. I would also suggest to those who would scoff at the matchmaking, Vicente Luque is a bigger underdog against Ian Machado Gary than Tony Ferguson is against Patty Pimblett. I do respect what Patty Pimblett has to say. Even though you are fighting a future Hall of Famer, the legendary, the inimitable Tony Ferguson, the upside really is limited when you're fighting a guy who has lost that many in a row. You know, he's been highlight reeled by Michael Chandler and others along this 
forgettable stretch has Ferguson, right? But if anyone is capable of rising to the pay-per-view occasion and pulling out a win at this stage of his career, I hope it's Tony Ferguson, right? Because you and I over the years have had so many conversations about this guy, and I'm not going to take you down the rabbit hole of the 12 fight lightweight winning streak, first lightweight with double digit winning streak and all of that stuff, right? But, you know, it's about time something good happened to this guy in the octagon. You know, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on this fight. Public perception really seems to be split on Patty Pimblett, right? When you talk even about the danger factor in this fight for Tony Ferguson, with respect, I feel like maybe you're even a little bit dismissive of it on the feet, right? In terms of maybe Patty's natural power and perhaps not, right? But I think Patty's a better grappler than he's given credit for, a more willing grappler than he's given credit for, and an outstanding athlete on the feet. Maybe he's not in shape 24-7, 365, but who of us is, right? I'm excited for it, buddy. I'm excited. And, uh, you know, I guess for Patty Pimblett, you just need to not focus on trying to get this dude out of here with style points inside of 10 minutes. Just got to fight your fight and recognize that uh, there's a lot of unorthodox things coming at you and you don't want to make a mistake. What do you, as a guy who's going to sit in a fighter meeting with with all of these fighters, and, and Patty's probably going to say a lot of the same things he's been saying, which he's not wrong, that in the perception of the MMA community, it's a lose-lose scenario for him. Like, like you said, if he wins, you know, he beat a guy in a six fight losing streak. And if he loses, well, you just got beat by a guy who just lost six fights before he fought you. So there's a lot, a lot on the line here, but for Tony, he's Tony, he's kind of a wacky guy, says a bunch of things, goes off on tangents. And that's kind of what we love about him. Recently, he's been doing some media. He was on the MMA hour and he was a little more thoughtful about things. He was a little more slowed down. He's more reflective on what this run has been. So as a guy who's going to sit in a fighter meeting, trying to prepare to call this fight, like what sort of thoughtful questions are you thinking about asking him? If there's one in particular, like what would you like to see from Tony in terms of mindset and attitude? And I know he's going to be cutting weight and all, so you don't get it all, but you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, of course. So Tony's one of the guys that I think gets my heart beating in a different way leading up to those fighter meetings. And there was a time certainly when we were very close, then there was maybe a little bit of a dip in our relationship where I think there was a fighter meeting in which he didn't feel like I was all in or all there, which uh, obviously was a criticism that I took pretty seriously. Oftentimes I'll lead the dance with his eldest son, Armand, to try to sort of soften the pillow a little bit. But, you know, I'm not really thinking in terms of his retirement, you know, even though I think a lot of people are in the business of retiring fighters. I just don't like to be in that particular space. You know, certainly I think for us, we want to hear, you know, how this training camp is different from past training camps. You know, is David Mills still a centerpiece? You know, oftentimes the first lens for me into the preparation when I look at the 28 fighters is let me see that corner audio sheet. Let me see who's going to be in the corner. And it looks like David Goggins is probably going to be in that corner for Tony Ferguson. But what exactly has the preparation held? You know, I know for me, like my body feels different at 45 than 35, even if I'm still exercising the same way. If I'm in a car for a long time, just getting out of that motor vehicle, you know, stepping down just feels a little bit different at 45 than 35. Will he answer with veracity? I don't know. But how does his body feel really at this stage of his career? How is his body recovering? You know, um, but I'm excited to see him try to sort of, uh, you know, have one final moment and maybe it'll come against Patty Pimblett. Maybe it won't. Um, but I'm, I'm always excited to see Tony Ferguson on the card at whatever stage of his career. I think for Patty, you know, like you said, people are kind of torn, but with Tony, like he's the ultimate heel here. 
But I think Ian Machado Gary has kind of done him a little bit of a favor because no one's really talking about him. But Ian has just been all over the freaking headlines. A lot going on with him. We don't need to get into the personal stuff. I don't really care about any of that crap anyways. But there has been a lot of talk for sure about gym etiquette and the sort of sacredness of what's inside those gym walls when it comes to Ian and sort of bouncing around. And everybody has commented on this as of late as he gets ready to fight Vicente Luque in the biggest fight of his career to date. What have you made of this whole thing? And, and I, here's the thing that I, cause Ian is so confident, such a confident guy, well-spoken for a 26 year old. I can't imagine all this negativity is not somewhat affecting this guy, right? Of course. No, it has affected his meter to be sure. I think he's angry, but I think if any 26 year old can channel it in the right way, certainly any 26 year old that I have come across, it is Ian Machado Gary. So there's a lot to unpack here. Largely, I think it's noise, right? For me, as a play-by-play announcer for the UFC, when I see Leon Edwards talk about Ian Machado, Gary, what are my key extractions, right? When I see Leon Edwards, the champion, say he's late for sessions, right? I stop there. Okay, that's not a good thing, right? Are you really late for sessions, right? Because if that's the case, you lose me at late for sessions, right? Like anybody on my seven-person podcast team knows, like, tardiness for me just doesn't fly, right? But there are two sides to every story. Oftentimes there's a third. So I don't know exactly what is truth and what isn't as far as Ian in these particular training camp settings. I do know that he's been embraced by Charles Oliveira and, and Damian Maya. You could do a whole lot worse than aligning with those two particular gentlemen. Largely, I think it's just noise. And for me, I would sort of focus on just what I have seen and heard from Ian Machado Gary. And at least as far as the fighter is concerned and a lot of his kill cliff teammates, former teammates, they may be, they think he's an absolute stud uh, who's sealing his championship. He has a tremendous appetite for MMA knowledge, not unlike a young John Jones, right? He is constantly evolving, trying to be better. Hasn't even shown you the extent to which he can weaponize cardio. Hasn't had a five round main event. I think Vicente Luque is a great guy to potentially test his chin. Uh, but Ian Gary has it all a maturity and a wisdom that sort of belies his years. And uh, even though I think maybe a lot of our fan base doesn't want to hear that right now, they want to hear more piling on and criticism of Ian Machado, Gary, largely, I think it's just noise. And, uh, you know, I also think very highly of his wife, you know, I think she's very intelligent. I think there have been far more uh, proper good steps for her and him and that team than missteps. And uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, here on pay-per-view, I'm hopeful that he'll have uh, an impromptu open workout after his uh, ceremonial weigh-in. And, uh, you know, I believe in Ian Machado Gary. I really do. You know what changes all narratives, John, in sports? Going w. out there and winning fights. That's right. He goes out there and melts Vicente Luque. I don't think it all goes away. I still think people have certain things to say about him. But you go out there and you spark it. Like, look at Armin Sarukian. He was like public enemy number one when that video came out about him and his team going towards Bobby green and confronting him. Not a good look. Not a lot of people are saying good things about him. Then he goes and sparks out Darius in 64 seconds. And it's like, all right, this guy's the dude. And I kind of feel like this could be the same for Ian Machado. Gary goes out there and Vicente Luque is a damn good fighter. He goes out there and, and just finishes Vicente Luque on the, on this, on this card in particular, it's almost like we just forget, not forget completely, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's huge for him. And he gets a big fight after this. 
Well, it's interesting, right? Because when you hear a guy like Sean Brady talk about Ian Machado Gary and sort of suggestive that that maybe is one of the easier fights for him in the top 15, and I'm not trying to put words in Sean Brady's mouth, right? Sometimes that can make the fan base think that Ian Gary isn't necessarily as advertised or as good as some people think. I think lost in the shuffle sometimes of guys like Sean O'Malley or Patty Pimblett or Ian Machado Gary is just how good they are because they have attained some sort of star status, right? And I do think that some of that clouds how good Ian Machado Gary is. And obviously the proof is going to be long-term in terms of how he fares against these welterweights, right? But when Bilal Muhammad did a recent Q&A and he was asked about the toughest matchups for him in the division, now Bilal thinks that Leon Edwards and Colby Covington are better, easier matchups for him than, say, Ian Machado, Gary, and Shavkat Rachmanov, right? So when Bilal was asked at that Q&A, right, like who are some of the guys that you think are the tougher matchups? He said Shavkat Rachmanov and Ian Machado, Gary, right? So the kid's elite and Vicente Luque as a matchup gives him a good chance to prove it. I think Luque is really a guy who can turn the corner and have a second wind and be a contender again. You know, he did weigh in as a backup for a title fight at one point in time. So um, we'll see what happens, you know, but all eyes are on Ian Machado, Gary, that's for damn fucking sure. Man, the pressure on him is going to be incredible. And it, it's, Pressure's it's a so privilege. Pressure is a right. privilege, right? I love that. I love that. Uh, we get Cody Garbrandt against Brian Boom Kelleher. He's back. Casey O'Neill, Ariane Lipsky's fun. Uh, you mentioned Josh Emmett, Bryce Mitchell, Oh, I got to say Bryce. I didn't think Bryce was going to take it. I didn't even think he was in play because I was hoping Diego Lopez was going to get that shot. But here in Bryce, I was like, Ooh, this is really good too. Uh, those are just a few of the under the radar bouts. What's the low key banger, John, as a, I, I know you get to call the action and stuff, but as a, as a fan who's going to have the best seat in the house, prelim non-main card fight, which fight are you looking at that has the chance to, to steal the show that, might not be getting the love heading into so UFC 296. The thought of Josh Emmett versus Diego Lopez and Diego Lopez, my breakout star of 2023, right? Stepping in for this fight just had me salivating. And yet you can argue, right, that on that parallel or maybe a step above just because of where he is as contender, enter thug nasty Bryce Mitchell, right? He's probably the only guy, Mike, that the fan base would have been just as excited to see as Diego Lopez. I don't know if that's fair to say or not. But I agree. My sleeper agree. fight is Alonzo Menafield and Dustin Jacoby, right? Like, dude, there's just something about when these guys like thwack you, right? And oftentimes I'm asked like, oh, do you watch the monitor or do you watch the octagon, right? And I always used to say when Francis Ngannou fights, I watch the octagon. When everybody else fights, I watch the monitor. Largely, I watch the monitor because that's the view that everybody is seeing back home. So 95% of the time I watch the monitor. But when Alonzo Menafield and Dustin Jacoby are uh, exchanging leather and limbs and and bones and shins, uh, I'll be watching the octagon and not that little standard definition monitor in front of me. So very excited for that fight. And uh, we're loaded, man. You know, it's crazy to think that Randy Brown is a guy who has been featured on pay-per-view and in a lot of big spots. And he's in he's in the number one fight of the night, first fight of the night, curtain jerker. It's crazy. It is crazy. Uh, last thing. The first quarter of 2024 looks pretty damn good right now. We have two title fights in January. We got Strickland versus Duplessis. We got Pennington versus Myra Buena Silva for the women's Bantamweight title. And then we got Volkanovski to Poria in February. And then we get Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera in March. Damn, man. It's a pretty good start, is it not? <laughs> 
yeah, you know, sometimes I wish I could separate myself from my full-time job and just marinate in all of that as a UFC fan, right? Joe Rogan has even been able to attend a couple of UFC fight nights in Austin, Texas, just as a fan. I feel like I need that in my life right now so I can sort of step out of this skin and get back to appreciating being a UFC fan. But I have sit-downs with Drakus Duplessis and Ilya Topuria coming up actually next week. And so that has me very excited for 2024, the Duplessis-Strickland fight. I mean, I got nothing hyperbolic for you other than that's just going to be absurd. Just, just <laughs> a lot of just violence and thickness and just potential concussive weapons going back and forth. And what a fascinating title defense for Alexander Volkanovsky, right, to be facing, you know, this undefeated Spaniard that – uh you know, looks like he could be a professional athlete in another sport, just like Alexander Volkanovsky. So those are the two fights that jump off the page. And, uh, you know, for every retiring great, like Amanda Nunes comes through the other side, a huge opportunity for Raquel Pennington, Maida Bueno Silva to become an undisputed world champion. And for Maida Bueno Silva dealing with, with, with the circumstance she dealt with recently to now be in favor to win an undisputed world title, uh, you know, pretty exciting times, buddy. First things first though, UFC 296, my man. Oh man. Very, very excited. Absurd is like the best way to describe Strickland versus DDP. Oh, this is gosh. perfect. When was the last time you've actually attended a card as a fan? Do you remember? I don't. Probably. Uh, so I, I'm finishing my seventh successive year on pay-per-view. You know, haven't missed a pay-per-view, thankfully, God willing, health willing in seven years. So I guess I would say, if you want to call it that, it was uh, when Dominic Cruz fought Cody Garbrandt, but I was still working up on the desk. So I still had a tie on. I was still on call for the prelims. So maybe it doesn't count. But that was the last time I didn't have play-by-play responsibilities and I was actually in there. I got to check out Power Slap or something. You know, maybe bare knuckle. We'll see. Oh, man. BKFC is a good time, man. It's a good time live. It's friggin' insane because the people are insane, too. You just get random random dudes with tattoos just going up to the to the barricade, shouting at the fighters, and the fighters hear them, and then they have... It's, it's wild, man. It's wild. It's a good time. If They're in your area a bunch, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, you should yeah, check that I out. think, uh, yeah, I think I need to suck it up. You know, I found myself wondering aloud on the Anakin Florian podcast this week if I could call bare knuckle because it is, it is brutal, man. It really is. You know, um, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, Eddie Alvarez probably has a couple fractures there in the orbital. I'm hoping that, uh, that maybe Mark Henry will throw in the towel and thankfully, uh, you know, he'll fight on and maybe even get a rematch. But dude, that I will say though. I think for me, if I was ever to compete in one of these settings, you know, not amateur grappling, not amateur MMA, I'm not going to strike with gloves because I've thrice been hospitalized with concussions. But I think for me against my twin brother, Mike, that's the setting bare knuckle, right? Three, two minute rounds, you know, like I might break an orbital, but I don't think I'll get a concussion. Maybe I will. But oh, I uh, love this. So that I think my twin brother and I a little bare knuckle. What do you think? Let's do would it. You watch? Would you watch? Yes. I would right. like to to call that fight if I could make Ooh, it happen. All right. Yeah, we should. I'd love to have your dulcet tones on that. <laughs> Support well, your fellow uh, fellow bald guy against the 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 Boca Bond, my twin brother. Yes. Uh, that is incredible. Well, speaking of dulcet tones, we'll hear yours. UFC 296. I, I assume it's the usual crew. It's a it's a U.S. pay-per-view. So I assume we got Rogan in D.C. Well, Megan O'Leary will have the desk. We'll have it all. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, John, thank you so much. Always enjoy these previews. I got goosebumps now. Now I'm even more fired up than I was heading into this thing. And uh, looking forward to hearing you call this damn card uh, on Saturday, UFC 296. Thank you, my man. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy the show. Should be good. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.